Welcome back to Dev Theory Podcast, a podcast about everything web development. This is episode 22. I'm Sean Willis with our co-host Isaac Weber. What's going on, man? What's up? We're back. We're back and we're going to get on schedule again. That's the hope, right? That's the goal. Our lives have been very busy. Yes. Um for sure, man. Uh, it's uh, we almost went like a hiatus or something, like, um, or or just a long vacation. Maybe we're, we've been working and uh, hustling, and it's been wow. difficult for the schedule. But I'm I'm definitely glad we're back. So yeah, I today I wouldn't call it a vacation, but <laughs> hiatus to say the least. <laughs> yeah, the grind is real. So yeah. um, and, we, and we apologize for the 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 audio quality right now we're we're kind of in um just doing this on a whim and and we we don't have our our setups currently so apologize for that yeah the so for i'm located in right now in nashville actually i took the lunch to drive to nashville um i'm in a coffee shop and so i'll be muting in and out you'll hear the, the background noise but we felt it was really important to still make this podcast work because our schedules were were difficult and uh, becoming more difficult. So you may find less quality, but you, hopefully the content is not less. Um, so today we will be answering questions from our listeners. Uh, we'll be talking about how to work remotely for companies in the U.S., um, answering our entrepreneurs' um, directional questions, um, and we're gonna we're actually gonna publish their messages in the podcast today as well. So you'll actually hear directly from them. Um, so also, if you are someone that's listening to our podcast and you want to leave us a message, you can go to devtheorypodcast.com. From there, there'll be a link to um, to record a voice message and send it to us. We do listen to those, so uh, we love hearing from our listeners. Another yeah. thing we're gonna talk about is uh, Bureau Dev Agency. So um before we dive into that man um i didn't mean to cut you off <laughs> oh yeah i was just gonna say um if you like the podcast please give, give us a review as well i know we don't we don't push that too much but uh your feedback is is very valuable to us so if you yeah if you like the podcast if you don't like the podcast please let us know and we'll we'll make a change yeah for sure and we 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 take all uh, constructive criticism um, and uh, we definitely apply it if it makes sense and if it if it definitely benefits our listeners uh, that's what we're here for so <clears throat> all right so Burdev agency LLC um, this is a sort of announcement minor one at that but um, I um, I created an LLC from the Burdev community here in uh, Murfreesboro Tennessee essentially to fill the need for all these junior developers looking for jobs but don't have anyone hiring them and offering training and mentoring um and there's a lot of tech startups in nashville that don't have technical founders to help guide them in the the technical landscape that they they have they get overwhelmed with all these technical decisions so that's where where i come in um i brought on a co-founder um as well to to help with product development and um he's added a lot of value this is something obviously that i do uh, during like moonlighting opportunities so 
I'll do um, lunch breaks and then afternoons where I take time to network and uh, and make connections. And so part of Burrow Dev is subcontracting workouts. So I don't do a lot of the coding um, unless there's a bind or someone's blocked. And then I'll I'll jump in and uh, during the evenings or, or weekends and, and help unblock them. But a lot of the guys that I've been hiring this, this first project, uh, junior devs surprisingly know a lot more than we give them credit for and uh, was able to, to have a successful project finished uh, within three weeks and um, excited to see the growth that happened while offering uh, mentorship in the, in the afternoon. So, um, yeah, that one's been exciting. The LLC officially became created on uh, September 14th. How's it been going so far? Yeah, so um, our listeners probably don't know Tyson, but he's a he's an engineer, a VP of engineering for a, for a tech company, and um, he's the one that gave us our first project. So um, it was mainly UI. There was actually some functionality in there, and so I got to see the team build functionality when uh, as a junior dev is really difficult. So seeing them step up and, and make it happen was really cool. Awesome. Um, how long did that take you guys? Three weeks. Three weeks. So it was uh, just like a website or? Wasn't yeah, so this is real estate. It's a real estate company. They offer like these 3D tours, uh, 3D model of the, uh, the out exterior of the building for these apartments. And um, that part, the 3D components built by them and then the team that I subcontracted the workout to, they essentially um, came in and did a lot of the UI work, right? And, and, and got the, the pages built, almost like static pages, so that you could describe what you're looking at, the, the gallery pages and stuff like that. Um, one of the biggest things that they built was a, they had to do a Git request that displayed a list of all the rooms available. And then they built a, a filter functionality to filter through that list. Um, and then they had like this keypad that was built to, you essentially type into the keypad and it goes straight to a, a specific room. Mm, cool. Uh, and that, what, what tech stack was that? React and TypeScript. Nice. Did yeah, we essentially just did like a create React app. Okay. Did they, uh, did the juniors know TypeScript? No, there's not a ton of TypeScript in it. Um, like you would think, like for, for my day job, my full time job, we have a, we lean a lot more heavy on TypeScript. Yeah. Uh, this project did not. Gotcha. So, uh, did the, uh, did they know React pretty well? Yeah, they did. They did great with React. We did something to where, uh, have you heard like CSS modules? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I let the team choose uh, what they felt most comfortable with, like style components, CSS modules, or um, or bringing in some type of library like uh, Material UI. Uh, the team, because they they wanted to lean in more on H, uh, CSS, um, we ended up pulling in CSS modules and, and making it work. Nice, very cool. Yeah. So for those who don't know what CSS modules are, it you essentially create a another file 
with a, uh, you know, let's imagine if you had like a, a component that was like a, um, you know, like a form or something like that. You might have a, a CSS file that says like maybe form.module.css or something like that, right, Sean? It's, it's, uh, it, it's basically like a corresponding CSS file for a component that you then import and use in your, in your, uh, in your actual component. Um, so it's a little bit more of a separation thing, whereas like style components, you might, you might do that. I guess you could do that in a different file, but style components, it's like usually the way I've seen it and done it, it's all kind of in line with the, the component. Like, so you'd have your component file and then maybe below or above that you would, you would define your styles that that component uses, um, so yeah, it's just kind of a different flavor of doing CSS and JS. Yeah, for sure. It, it they they really enjoyed working in that. In the future, I do. Uh, I mean, like my day job, we use Material UI, and we never really have to style anything because we built components that are, are essentially layout components and, and styling components. So um, that's the way I lean on long term projects, but. Yeah, man. So um, that's um, that's going on. And then um, let's let's transition to responding to our listeners. Really excited to dive into these. We're going to uh, take a minute, probably probably right now. Uh, I don't know where Isaac thinks it'll make sense, but we're going to add in the audio um, of those listeners that left us messages. Hi, so I'm a student with about seven or eight years of solid programming dabbling experience, let's just say, and my career goals are mainly focused towards entrepreneurship. Uh, and I've made a few small apps, I've written backend here and there. I'm currently building a portfolio website, actually, and a blog backend from scratch-ish, just so I can learn web design a little bit better. Um, and when I have ideas about software in general, feature-wise, they tend to be pretty fleshed out. They also tend to be focused around how the app would feel to use, with some conceptual placeholders for anything that's back-endy, any features that I come up with. Um, and I can write back-end and have a decent sense of what features are good and which ones are doable, but the implementation takes me a long time. And if I get stuck on some problem with it, it just holds up the whole process. So obviously writing redundant back-end isn't helping the time costs. So what's your advice for me as a semi-amateur programmer? I'm somewhat familiar with the tech, familiar with the fundamentals. Should I grind to close existing knowledge gaps? Should I seek a different style of programming that minimizes time spent struggling with back -end? Uh, he basically has a great idea for features that are fleshed out, but when it comes to actually implementing the, the feature in the web application, he has difficulty. So his question was, should he focus his energy on building his technical chops or finding someone to build it for him? Like just what, what the direction should be going for him. Um, you want to start this off? You want me to dive into it? Yeah, I've, I've got some ideas for this. So, I, you know, in my own experience, I've, I wouldn't say I have like the most backend experience by any means. I think my backend experience has kind of been a gradual, um, you know, like kind of an easing in into the backend. Uh, that, that's been through my experience with my job and, and kind of the, the tools that I've used. Um, but I would say, you, like if you want to be, if your expertise and your your passion or your desire or whatever is for more for the front end, um, then I would say, I mean, there's a few different options you can 
you can go. So um, you can use something like a backend as a service. Um, so that might be like uh, if if you're into GraphQL, it might be like Hasura. Uh, if you're into um, like using an SDK or something like that, you could go with uh, Firebase. Uh, there's a couple different Firebase alternatives. I think one's called like Superbase. Um, and essentially what those will do is like, you don't even have to worry about the back end. They're, they're handling everything for you on that end. And so like you can add your data to Firebase, you can add your users and, and basically leverage the, like the back end functionality that they provide all in your front end. And so, um, and that, that's what they call back end as a service. Uh, and there's also kind of even somewhat of a hybrid approach, maybe of doing something like. Uh, like at work right now, we're using something called Strapi, which is a, uh, it's like a kind of like your own, your own backend as a service. Whereas like Firebase, it's like, it's fully managed uh, where like Google owns it and you're just like leveraging like the, the service that they give you. Whereas Strapi, it's like, it's a little bit more hands-on where you can, you can spin up a Strapi instance and like host it yourself and do do everything yourself, but they they give you like a um, a really nice admin UI to create API routes. And so you could do, let's say like you wanted to just focus on the front end, and, and you you have all these awesome ideas for what the front end could look like, but you're being held back by the front end. What what's nice, or I'm sorry, by the back end. What's nice about Strapi is like you know, let's say you wanted to build a um, I don't know, like a, a dashboard app or something like that. And you had users and you had posts and you had uh, like a, a comment feed and all this stuff. Like you could, you could set up those models in Strapi. Um, and it's literally just like, you know, you, you create it all in a UI and then you select like the, the fields that you want to use. Like imagine if a post had a title, you could specify like the title, make sure it's a string and it has to be a certain character and all this stuff. And Strapi is going to actually go and create those, the, the database models. It's going to create like all the SQL statements and stuff for you. Um, and then if you want to get in and do some customizations, they allow that, but you can do, you can get really far with just using the Strapi, um, plugin or the strappy uh, way of doing things. So I think there's a lot of really good options out there for, for people who aren't like super familiar with the backend as far as like, you know, SQL statements and, and all this stuff. And I'll tell you, I mean, I, I don't know SQL at all. And, and, and I basically leverage different tools to, to either build those SQL statements for me or just use a backend as a service. Like if, like I'm literally thinking about a project I want to do for myself as a side thing where I'm going to be using Strapi because it's really easy for me to just spin up a an API and, and a database and all that stuff. Um, and then I can focus on the front end and do like really cool stuff there without having to take so much time on the back end. Yeah. So what was the, what was the spin up time? Like how much energy did you put, how many hours did you put in learning it? Uh, what on Strapi? Yeah. So for this entrepreneur that had the question, um, he has some technical chops, it sounds like. So he may he may be able to figure out Strappy. But as far as like coming in at cold turkey, how long do you think it would probably take? Uh, I mean, depending on what you want to do, I, I I think you could really get something going within a couple hours. You know, um, you know, like Strappy, 
as long as you know they have really good docs where they they'll explain how to get up and running um you know they they explain how to deploy it they explain everything really and it's it's very simple i mean it's uh you don't even really have to have technical chops to to get in there and actually create an api route um you know actually being able to make an api request on the front end that's where the, the technical chops will come in. But as far as like the back end implementation of it, Strapi handles all of that. You know, it's literally like you create a uh, a model called posts in Strapi and that's all in the UI. And and then it will create an, an actual like API route for you to use on the front end or to, to consume on the front end. So it's uh, it's really handy and it, like basically anybody could do it. It's not it's not hard. Nice man. Yeah, that's a uh, that's interesting. I don't know anything about Strapi. I know you'd mentioned it before. Was that yeah. the same one that you'd mentioned like having some some headaches with? So we gotten over those. Yeah. So um, we actually we, so we originally were on Strapi, and then we moved to uh, AWS Amplify, which is like AWS's like backend as a service thing that they offer, um, but. And the reason we moved there was because of like different permissions and roles that that we wanted. Um, it, it was just like there were some features that we could, could glean from that, but it ended up being kind of a pain in the butt and and more work than we expected. And and things, you know, we we would make a change and and think like something over on the other side of the app would break and you're like, I, I have no idea why that just broke. So we ended up going back to Strapi and and we've been pretty happy with it so far. So nice, man. So um, as far as my input on um, on this entrepreneur wanting to to find direction, I think one of the questions I would I would bring up is like, well, how um, how important is it for for you to go down the route of the engineering career like how like are you the title you're looking for is like more of like a chief engineer officer of the company that you run to where you're making all the technical decisions and then setting up a team or is the direction of your company that you're wanting to build something where you bring on a technical director to make those decisions i guess that's going to be the question also, how much engineering are you wanting to do? It sounds like you're willing to get into the code and work. So, uh, so definitely continue that if you get energy from that. But um, as the as the entrepreneur, it's always um, it's always good to find where you are lacking to find someone else to fill that gap. I know for BurrowDev Agency, um, having having a team of people that are basically good at what you're not. So maybe you want to look at even just hiring a back-end guy to, uh, or a co-founder that, that does the back-end work for you and that allows you to keep, uh, keep coding away. But um, yeah, that'd be another, another thing to consider. I know it sounds like you can make technical decisions, but you can't implement. So having someone on your team that can, obviously is going to be a, a big, a big uh, addition. All right. Is there anything else you want to add to that, man? No, I think that's good. Yeah, I know. Like in Nashville, there's a lot of founders that aren't even a, don't even have the ability to go in and code. So I think this guy has a leg up on a lot of founders that 
have great ideas, but but can't implement, they need somebody else. So the fact that you can implement something, I think it is helpful um, when you're communicating to a team. Uh, the, the one last thing I would mention is, um, is are you an expert in that field? And, and if you're not, maybe find someone that is to, uh, to be a co-founder. So a lot, of, a lot of CEOs or founders of startups, they're either uh, highly technical engineers, like from California, there's a lot of engineers that can solve problems and they see a need for that problem to be solved um, or you'll have a founder who's an expert in the field and then they're just trying to solve their own problems in a technical way using uh, uh, using software so if you don't think that you're an expert in the, the problem you're trying to solve maybe find someone to, to come along with you all right let's move on to the next one so um, hey um, so my name is Armand I am from well I'm currently in Dubai and I've just started learning web development through a course on Udemy. It's about a three or four month course. Uh, and I wanted to know is there do you think it's possible to get a remote job in the US working from Dubai? Uh, I'd love to know about uh, the remote work kind of structure and if that is a possibility. Thanks guys. Really enjoying your work at the moment. A guy from Dubai, I didn't want to say his name just because I, I might butcher it. Um, he, um, he was wanting to get a, he wanted to know how long or how hard it would be to get a job in the U.S., like if it's even possible. And uh, it sounded like he said he was listening and, and going through a tutorial for Udemy, um, the course on there. So it sounds like he's a junior developer trying to break into the industry. Uh, one, of the, one of the things at BroDev is... Um, we're focused on hiring junior developers. So uh, send us an email at um, from, uh, let's see, what is our Dev Theory? Was it Dev Theory Podcast at gmail.com? Yep. And um, and we can talk more and just um, title it um, Remote Work and then include your name and, and uh, subject it to Sean. And then we can, we can uh, connect and talk more. One of the things you will need to fill out is like a W-7 to receive an I-10, which is an identification so taxes can be accounted for um, if you're wanting to if you're wanting to account for the taxes. there's that, So that's one way to do it. There is another way. I know some people will write off um, development as a marketing for the company. I don't know if I fully agree with that approach or not, but that allows them to get around the employee employment type of um, W7 or I10 that needs to be filled out. If you do have a social security uh, number from the U.S., obviously that's going to help. You don't you don't really necessarily need an I10 at that point. Um, but once that's filled out, then you'll definitely have an opportunity to work for uh, work remote for companies in the U.S. It, it is difficult to find jobs as a junior developer alone. So being out of a country is definitely going to add some challenges. What do you think, man? Pick your answer to it, man. You're the, you're the guy for this. <laughs> I did some research on it because I was curious about, about hiring people overseas and, and not just to get, and, and I wasn't looking at an approach where a lot of people try to hire overseas for cheap work or, you know what I mean? 
but this would be something where you're 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 paying them what they're worth and, and they're adding value to the company. Yeah, I definitely think it's possible. I mean, there there's always uh, you know there's plenty of people from from like India and and we up my team hires uh, people from from Brazil uh, to do some contract work for us. So I think just like with any remote work, you can get on certain uh, like freelancing websites and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, I, I, I never really went that approach because I was able to find people to do uh, do some side work for and stuff. So um, it, it, it kind of depends on your approach. I think there's that that realm of things that it's kind of saturated with the amount of people on those sites I've seen. Um, so you got to be able to kind of stand out a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe trying to just make connections in the U.S. if you can. Um, I know that's hard being remote, but, you know, just getting into some communities and in, in, uh, different entrepreneur communities in, in America where, where they're looking for potentially some cheaper help. Maybe I'm not really sure what the prices are out in Dubai, um, but that that's typically why people will go out to other countries uh, to find work is, is it's usually cheaper, but the same kind of quality and, and um, that sort of thing. Also, you seem to have great, uh, you seem to be speaking English really well. And so that's a huge benefit to you um, that if you're, if you're fluent and you can speak well, you, you can articulate well, I think people are, that's going to go a long way in people trusting you and, and being able to communicate is obviously huge in this field. So, yeah, another thing that, um, there's two other things I wanted to mention. One is time zone change, like differences. Um, I don't know what the time is in Dubai based on like central time zone um, or compared to like eastern time zones, but you may have to work some weird hours uh, to make it fit for the employee or or the uh, the company that's contracting you out. Um, another thing is I know that some companies like my full-time job, they won't, uh, because of security reasons, they won't accept certain countries. Um, you'd have to like, there's one country that we, uh, we were looking at hiring somebody as a contractor, but because they were in that country, they, they didn't have a way to secure the connection. And so that prevented them from hiring up. And they said, if you ever were to come back in the U.S., we could hire you. Um, and so there are limitations for bigger companies and corporations. If you were to go that route and try to get hired, you have to consider um, some of the limitations that corporations have on, on different countries. And I don't know what those are for Dubai. So cool, man. Well, let's wind it down. Do you got anything else to add before we close it down? No, um, I did want to ask you, uh, are we trying to get our, our old coding instructor on here? Yes. Yes, we are. That would be exciting. He is a wealth of knowledge. He is a very smart dude. Um, and it, it'd be interesting to see kind of his, his take on things. He's, he's, uh, he's been, a, a obviously helped a ton of different juniors get into the industry. So I think he'll have a lot of good insights and just, uh, it'll be good to, to talk to him again. Yeah, for sure. That's going to be an exciting conversation and it'll be geared toward the current state of Ember and uh, versus React. So he ha he's pretty passionate about Ember and um, he's he's the one that got me excited about Ember and its abilities. 
Um, and I actually reached out to him today just to get his intake, um, uh, his take on uh, the current state of Ember, and he had a lot to say. So it'll be exciting to have him on to give that input. Cool. So I can, I can debate him on React. <laughs> exactly. And I'll be the mediator because I like both. So <laughs> right. I think it's good. a perfect, perfect setup. Cool. Thanks again for listening to Dev3 Podcast. I'm Sean Willis with our co-host, Isaac Weber. If you like the show, leave us a review. Share it with your friends. You can also uh, leave a voice message. We will get it. We listen to all of them. And uh, who knows, you may even end up on our next podcast. If you're a tech company interested in sponsoring this podcast, you can email us at sponsorship at devtheorypodcast.com. Thanks again.